0: Quickly before we go ahead and start today's video guys, this episode is sponsored by Platinum Profit. This is a group dedicated to making you money and they have a bunch of cool features within the group such as custom tools for every single member. Those tools do include autofillers, link openers, as well as a custom spoof browser. Among all the other features, they do actually have different ways to bring you revenue streams. If you're part of the group, they offer users different types of flips such as low key flips and brick flips. They're currently priced at $29 a month. You can check them out down below their social will be down there i highly recommend you check them out and you can also join them by typing in the password on screen right now for 29 a month you can go ahead and get access to all these cool features hey what's going on guys welcome back to a brand new episode of the bot dog. it has been a while but we're back with a banger all right we've got aka from rush aio a brand new bot that has been on the scene for not a long amount of time i did reach out to him because i'm very curious about the bot a lot of you guys are as well they've only ever had one public reset and that was on its initial rant you guys will have a chance to go ahead and secure yourself a copy within this episode but let's just straight into the good part of the episode let's begin with the first question that i want to ask aka on the show how did you discover the entire reselling community
1: first time i learned about it was about 10 years ago um i was doing my first online business and the guy i was working with his little brother was like in middle school and was like flipping shoes. And I knew he was like making also doing a lot of local deals, you know, not like StockX didn't exist at this time. Uh You know, Goat didn't exist. So he was just doing like Craigslist deals and he was making good money. You know, he was like he came home with like a bunch of Benjamins today, you know, $100 bills. And uh, so I was like, wow, that's I didn't. That was the first time I was exposed to it as a business. And then uh, I pretty much didn't think about it for about, you know, eight, nine years. Other than about once a year, my buddy would be like, hey, my brother's still doing doing reselling i'm like that's that's fucking awesome you know i remember my boss walked into work with you know like a fresh pair of yeezys one day like three years ago and i was like where'd you get them and i think he bought them like aftermarket so i knew them and he he spent like good money right because it was like a pretty, pretty limited uh shoe and uh i was like wow um you know it's, it's still booming. So in January, the reseller I've been talking about, who, who was uh, my, uh, my friend's uh, brother who'd been doing reselling since a year ago, um, is uh, NYC Sneaks from Rush. And he came to me in, uh, in January this year uh, and proposed Rush. So when I actually got involved with the reseller community as like an actor, you know, uh, was, was in January.
0: So a few things that I do want to go ahead and break down there you learned about the reselling community 10 years ago which on average when I speak to lots of guests on the show they don't even mention it about 10 years ago the typical answer I do tend to get is around three to four years ago when Yeezys were booming obviously you did speak about that in your answer but 10 years ago that's a very long time and obviously sneaker reselling has been around for a long time you have loads of OGs in the scene that continuously resell from that point but one thing I did want to touch upon within your answer, you spoke about how Yeezys a few years back when your boss actually bought them were pretty high in resale, but now if you look at the market, it's pretty cheap. You're making like around $50 per pair. What's your whole opinion on that? Do you like the idea that there's more pairs in circulation or do you prefer them to be less pairs in circulation with a high resale price?
1: It's tough. I think it's inevitable for like a big brand to like trend in that direction, you know? unless you like having dropped like as many shoes as they have and like i don't know there's like there's a number of styles and stuff right now but um i don't know it's hard to bring it back to to um to how it was at the start so in terms of opinion i don't know you know it is it is what it is you know of course i want to be able to like help my customers you know resellers make more money so you know however however the game plays out so that my customers can um can win out i think that's that's the that's the direction i'm aligned with
0: yeah definitely i mean when it comes to businesses, if they're selling more pairs than the reports are there and they're selling out, obviously they're going to continue through our trends. But one thing I didn't want to touch upon, you did speak about a Yeezy that your boss picked up and you did speak about some releases 10 years ago that your friend's brother picked up on. But before you joined this whole buying team, before you were approached by the person at Rush, is there any releases that really stuck out to you and you can actually remember now?
1: No, I'd say that's like the extent of my like exposure to the resale community was like what I, what I mentioned. So, so no, I really, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty new to actually being like really involved with, with it all, with like the entire scene. I'd say I'm more of a, uh, like I didn't know bots existed. Okay. Until January, I knew that reselling existed. I didn't know that, I didn't know that bots existed. Um, But I've been doing bots for a long time, like other places on the internet for games and and other other properties so it was quite it was quite like i i knew that i wanted to do it the moment i learned it it was a thing so i'm like damn why didn't i learn about this before
0: yeah so that's great to hear but when you were approached to work at rush was there any elements of the botan community that surprised you were you surprised about how much money was in the community how was that overall journey of discovering the botan community
1: it was one of the biggest surprises of my life so i I think I mentioned I sat down with NYC sneaks and Don Johns uh, at an Indian buffet in Boston. And that's when like uh, Don Johns brought his MacBook and he showed me Galaxio. He showed me, he showed me cyber. He showed me splash force at like at the table. And then I just asked him a bunch of questions about, you know, numbers like users revenue. And then, the, I mean, I was really fucking surprised to see the uh, the resale, um markets for, for, for bots. I, I didn't realize that like that it's the first um it's the first time I'd encountered a aftermarket with a like with a markup for subscription services. Okay, so that's the unique thing. It's like, okay, there's lots of products that have a higher aftermarket that like appreciate over time and stuff. Um but it's especially rare to see in software, you know? Like awesome. it, it, it's like the only like Okay, I come from building open source software. Yeah. So, which is like free and completely the opposite. Like open source software is like the like the polar opposite of having software that's like scarce and more expensive. It's like, uh, so I I was especially surprised to see that like this existed at all. Um, but it makes sense, you know. Like, if you if you ship too many copies of your bot, you know, and too many people have good setups, then mm-hmm. Uh, you know you let you you potentially limit the success of um, each user of the bot but yeah the the whole i mean i was so surprised it was one of the most surprising like days of my life to learn that this existed and like that day i knew that i mean i i wanted to um i wanted to get involved
0: definitely it sounds like a very life-changing moment because Like you said, you were used to open source projects, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm not a developer, I am looking into games coding, but from me knowing developers and just speaking about different types of projects they've done, open source development, meaning that it's available to everyone, doesn't have a lot of monetary value, and there's not a lot of monetization you can do there, given it's open sourced, so when you were introduced to the idea of going ahead and joining Rush, and obviously being a developer, making this money, obviously when you discuss salary and all the aftermarket with the boss, I can understand why that was a large interest to you. But taking it back just a little, just so we can give the viewers an idea of who you are and how you got to this place, you are the only developer at the moment at Rush, if I'm correct in speaking. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing that I do wanna actually get into later as well, because there's a bunch of responsibilities that come with that. But taking it back right to the beginning, what sparked your interest in coding?
1: Well, it's uh, it's about maybe fifteen years ago I got into um, video game cheats. So it was like I was like really young, and uh, I just wanted to like you know get more money in my games and like you know get high scores and stuff. And so I was just using like PC and uh, le- learning how to like cheat neopets and like use cheat engines programs like edit memory you know a a lot of people like at the time were maybe still are like we're playing with this stuff and so that was my first exposure to like coding was just to like you know sort of like cheat the game so it it makes sense that that leads to to bots you know because i'm like i'm open to um you know using computer code to act on on people's behalfs, so on my behalf and like my friends behalf and my customers behalf so i've always been interested in um yeah just like software that that works for people you know and that's fun fun games too you know and reselling feels like a game
0: definitely i can relate to that with reselling and buying, it's a huge game you're playing cut and mask with the sites but one thing that is apparent is that your passion for automation i'd like to say has stayed pretty consistent from when you were younger obviously to this point 15 years later and that's brought you to go ahead and work on rush but when you were first invested in coding and you were learning about programming what were some of the first programs you ever built
1: so i did a lot my first real programs i would say i did websites for a while so blogs but those that was mainly running other people's software and editing it the first stuff I built from the ground up were like uh like scripts and bots were for this video game club penguin um which is on was owned by Disney and was really popular um around the world really and uh i had i had like bots and cheats for that game and I wrote like entire like software libraries um to be able to like bot penguins so like control penguins in a scriptable way and like you know, mess with the game, generate money, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I've spoken with a few developers in the community and they've definitely resonated with that point where they take video games, go ahead and create all this type of software. They jump into anti cheat and obviously that leads them to developing their knowledge and then getting them to the point where they are right now. But one thing that I didn't want to speak about when you started programming, obviously you were creating these cheats for video games so you could excel at the video games but what actually made you want to continue pursuing coding and obviously uh, learning about new languages and going through that
1: route? Well, the thing that really kept it going was like, okay, so I was able to monetize like that Club Penguin stuff. Um, And so like, I was making really good money when I was like, in my teens on the internet. And it like, made me realize that I could do that forever and that it was fun and it was like a career. It was something I could actually pursue and I think will exist like so long as the computers and the internet exist. So that there's that, that I knew it was a good long-term option and like what kept me going. I, I like doing it. It's fun. And um, it's just something I like to do. So it's easy to, it's easy to like keep it going.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with your final point that If you like something, it's very easy to keep it going. Obviously, your interest stays there and you want to develop it, become better. If there's monetary value there, it's nice that you recognize that at a young age. I feel like there's a lot of people in the community that don't recognize how much of monetary value they actually hold and they just give it out for free, which is fine. I think it does come down to like what your objective is and what how your mindset is. But obviously, making money as a teenager... It's, it's always a nice thing because uh, extra income, disposable income, you don't have a lot of overhead so you can go ahead and spend it how you like before you grow up and you go ahead and take on loads of bills and loads of more responsibilities. So that's obviously nice to hear. But jumping back a bit sooner into the timeline, you spoke about when you joined the community, you got a role at Rush as a developer. But was there any other companies you interacted with or people in the community you interacted with when you actually joined the bond community?
1: So until... April it was just uh it was just uh NYC sneaks and and Don Johns um so no the first developer i spoke with though in April was this uh developer from Europe uh Seraph and uh i think he's been around for a while for a while and like he was friendly so he was my first developer point of contact and he helped me sort of like get started up and like we we would like we established a relationship where we uh you know like help each other out you know so it was cool
0: definitely making a friend that's in the same field as you obviously with programming developing you can help each other out with some things learn knowledge from each other so that's obviously a great thing to hear getting friends in the community that have the same interests this overall works well because you feel more welcome in the community you kind of understand how it works And that makes it for a good standing to stay in the community for a long amount of time. But we spoke about when you sat down with the owner and the employee within Rush. And that's kind of how you were recruited to go into Rush. But can you talk a bit more about that entire process? Did you know that you were going to be the only developer for Rush? And how did that entire thing go?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was super tight. Like, here's sort of how it played out. So... I knew that I wanted to build something. So I was like, okay, I want to do the hard stuff, okay? Because I've made a lot of bots, and I know some sites are easy, some sites are hard. Like, what's a hard site? And they're like, okay, you got to do Yeezy Supply. Um, and you got to do Acme. Like, they didn't really ma- – NYC Sneaks and John Don John Johns, they know, like they, – they, they've been doing reselling for so long. They know what's going on. They know how to point me in the right direction. And so we started there. So I made a browser bot for Yeezy Supply in February. Um, but you know, I wanted to do like a, like a faster bot because like browser bots are pretty uh resource intensive cause they're all based on Chrome. Um, so then I decided to completely rewrite what rush was. I had a, I had a complete UI and working browser bot for easy supply, but I just scrapped it. It's just sitting in a folder. I haven't touched it since February march the like rush as it is the command line version uh started and to answer your question about how like what was my knowledge about the organization yeah i knew i was going to be the only developer like we just basically like uh matt and mark do operations and sales and and help maintain a support team and help point me in the right direction and then i uh i handle all the all the development
0: yeah it sounds like rush is very organized and got everything set out for you and one thing that i do pick out from you is that you want to make the best product because obviously when you've spent so much time on a product and you've developed it and i feel like a lot of people that do code can resonate to this some people would just be fine going for the average but obviously you didn't like the idea of the browser but you didn't like the idea of the ui so you scrapped that you haven't touched it since and you created a new idea for rush and obviously that's brought it to the successful points are right now. But one thing I didn't want to tap into is the initial development and also doing it alone. How was that entire thing like?
1: Well, it was pretty fun actually. Um I it was my it's my first so Rush is probably over 90% written in uh Go, the Go programming language. Um and it was my first large Go project. So it was fun to learn the language. I, it was like pretty quick to come up. Um, you know, it it was actually pretty affirming, like to do it and then know that I could do it after it was done. You know, I felt like after I, after I got it up and running, like, like we were checking out on easy supply in like three weeks after I started coding Russia as it is today. Um, it was pretty affirming like oh I'm good you know so (laughs) it was like oh I can do things on my own like I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what I was getting into but like I don't know it feels good to um have made it to where we are and it's uh but I have there's such a long road ahead to where I want to I want Rush to go.
0: Definitely it's good to have a vision for the company and I feel like Rush can definitely get there with your mindset and Once again, reassuring confidence within yourself that you can actually do it. Because, like you said before, you were completely shocked at this community. You had knowledge in, obviously, automation and creating software, obviously, through the range of your interests over the years. But creating a product within this scene that's successful despite the sites actively trying to stop bots. I feel like that is a very, very uh, good thing and obviously it should be respected because it is a hard task and not everyone can do it. That's why you see a lot of failed bots in the community. And then also that's why you see a lot of successful bots like the ones we mentioned, such as Galaxia, Cyber, and obviously Rush. But one thing that I did want to tap into, we talked about the initial development, how that was like, you said that you really enjoyed it, which is amazing to hear. But once you went ahead and developed somewhat of a final product to bought out. How was the initial release for the entire rush team?
1: So the initial release, at least like selling the bot went fine. We didn't oversell, like the site didn't crash. I actually set up the whole payment and like checkout operation like like a night and a half, you know, before uh before we dropped the copies. So it was pretty fat it was it was rushed, but it worked. Um at least in terms of the, the selling in terms of the boss performance i think the first drop so like the uh we got permacued on the uh, finish line app and so we had like no checkouts right because we only supported the app at this time for finish line and um that sucked but then like we killed the restock which was on the app and so that was good so it was like the first drop was like fuck you know <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. then things got then things uh Improved and you know it's been it's been up and down, um like the app like like I we I ended up adding the website for Finish Line as well because um you like don't really know which one is gonna uh or web is more likely to open up I would say on like initial releases the app can just like stay closed basically the entire the entire release so yeah just you know gets it's it's chaotic it's chaotic um but I think it went pretty i think it went pretty well overall
0: yeah definitely from when i was observing it essentially when rush was brought into the conversation a friend of mine actually brought into the conversation and the reason why i was skeptical is because there was so much hype around it and i was like why is there so much hype around it and someone said that someone mentioned you actually and they said that he's a really good developer so i'd I'd never heard of you at the time so i was like okay let me keep a couple eyes on it i went for the restock i wasn't successful but uh, I kept my eyes on it, and since then, I've seen the success. But one of the main criticisms that I saw uh, before Rush actually went into the open market and people could resell it was the price. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's $100 a month. Yeah. Yeah, so the only bot that comes to mind that is major with a major amount of success is bot that has a similar model, but they charge under a third of that price. It like $30 a month. You charge $100 a month. My opinion on it is that it's justified because of the success of the bot. If there was no success, then there'd be a problem. But what is kind of your take on people complaining about bot prices and essentially, what is your kind of take on that conversation?
1: The price was um, the price was determined. I told you my biggest surprise when i one of my biggest surprises, other than of course, how the technical architecture and performance et cetera of about bots when I discovered them in January was the whole discrepancy between the initial like public pricing and the aftermarket pricing, you know, I was like, Oh my God. Like, so like, there's such a spread, you know, between the the prices and it didn't, it didn't make sense. Like, why don't they just charge more? And then I learned that like, there's this whole like fucking like incestuous system of like backdooring copies, like through the marketplaces in order to capture the resale price. And like, like, it, 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 I'm like okay, but I don't really want to play that game. So instead, I know that I know that I want users. I want Rush to be able to make people far over a hundred dollars a month. I want the users that can like know they can profit off of a hundred, like more than a hundred a month. So I want high quality. The price is for high quality users. It's to like sort of lessen the spread between. Like retail and resale um and like make sure that like we can still like capture that value and reinvest it into the product as opposed to just like bot flippers capturing that value um and i think it's worked out pretty well like our general chat we have like five six hundred members you know it's like despite growing uh it's uh pretty tame um so i'd say like the the we've reached we've achieved our goal in terms of user quality i would say oh there are like a fair number of people just sitting on the bot right now like we track like how many people run every drop it's usually like half of people up to like 60 percent of people run like for drops maybe like the zions was more like 70 um so we're not, you know, you can't, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't oppose bot flipping. I don't prevent resale or anything, but I just wanted to, the, the main thing about the pricing is, or one of the main reasons behind the pricing is that observation that there's this whole weird, like, we're going to capture our revenue through a backdoor thing. And I didn't think it was necessary. And I think, I think the bot is worth a hundred a month and in the future, it might be worth more.
0: Definitely. I mean, if the success is there, like I mentioned, before, if the success is there then charge what you want. I mean, there's people in this game that have made thousands. I mean, literally every wide amount of people that have been in the game for maybe one or two years can confidently say that $100 a month for a bot that cooks is good because let's say you hit like two pairs of Zions, you've practically paid off depending on what price you obviously pay. But I think it's a pretty fair price. I was skeptical at first to see the people's reaction. And that's why I didn't want to bring it up to Because I feel like developers' opinions on this do differ from users' opinions. So it's amazing to hear your opinion. And I feel like that aligns with a lot of people's general opinion as well. But one thing I did want to tap into. Being a sole developer is something that I feel like is semi-common in the community. Like the only other person that I've spoke to on the bot talk, who I think is a sole developer who actually mentioned it. It's Z3, I think, from, F, uh, from F3, who's a, which is a Supreme bot. So I wanted to tap into essentially your experience with being a software developer, what the drawbacks of that is, and also what the advantages of that is.
1: Growing a software team, mm-hmm. um, each person you add um, basically adds some, like, depending on how you slice and dice a team, or pretty much regardless of how you do it, if you're working on the same, relatively same project it's going to like the communication overhead is going to be pretty high. So I think like, because I wanted to ship rush pretty quickly and like, I think I have a clear vision and the ability to execute on that vision for the time being, I decided to be sole developer and, and like it works out and I'm a vo- if I, if I added more developers up front, I think rush would be like less far off potentially because the communication overhead, even with someone that you're good at working with, if you're working on the same thing can like slow down the project or rather in order to achieve the same pace, your project has to be set up in a certain way that has an upfront cost. And I decided to kick that upfront cost down the road. So like, I want to have rush be a, um, like, uh, have a developer team at some point, uh, in some sense. Um, but I think that, I decided to just, in order to like, I think I decided I could make the most progress alone up front.
0: Definitely. I mean, if it's working for you, then that's obviously a great thing to hear. And obviously the success of Rush does color that very, very nicely. So that's amazing to hear. We've covered a lot of stuff in this episode. I feel like the viewers are definitely going to enjoy the insight towards Rush, given it's pretty new to the community. But the final thing that I do want to mention before we go ahead and do the drop for Rush at the end of the episode, what do you have planned for Rush in the future?
1: I want Rush to be able to purchase anything on the internet without me uh, coding individual websites. So I want it to be like truly intelligent. I want it to be a self-buying bot, if that's even a proper term. You know, I want it to be a like AI assistant that can buy you things on the internet given sufficient direction um and so basically i want it to be like uh much smarter than it is much more effective and i want to like right now i code every website okay so there's like a each website has specific code for it there's shared code of course but i want to get to a point where i have something more intelligent that can just look at the web page and act like a manual user would, but still at bot scale. So basically that means I want to make the true AIO. Okay. The true AIO that would use, uh, you know, artificial intelligence techniques, um, in fulfilling its goals. It's like literally like, Hey Siri, buy me, you know, Jordan once on finish line tomorrow yeah so that's the end goal that's not my next step but that's where i'm working. that's where i'm going toward
0: i mean it's one of the biggest ideas i've ever heard i mean when you were speaking about it it's a very very big idea obviously the execution part of it is a big thing ai in general is definitely the future i mean with everything we're seeing that more and more each day so if you can incorporate that into a bot and literally have someone where they could put the URL of a uh, product in. Maybe they do some keywords or they, they select the product and it learns the site and goes and checks out the item. That would be pretty amazing. I mean, it's going to take some time. And obviously, that isn't the next step, like you mentioned. But it would be an amazing thing to see and definitely a very unique thing as well. But guys, that is going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed If you guys did, drop a like, subscribe if you guys are new. And if you guys want to check out AKA, His socials will be down below, Russia's socials will be down below and now what we're going to go ahead and do is a countdown for the drop is going to pop up on the screen. At the end of the countdown I'm going to go ahead and explain the entirety of this drop, how it's going to work so you guys know all the information best of luck to all of you guys. Okay guys for this copy drop of Rush AIO all you want to do is listen to the instructions I'm going to give you right now this won't be repeated for the rest of this stream so essentially what you guys want to do is wait until the countdown ends after this little audio clip and then a link is going to appear on screen paste the link into your browser obviously type it out however you want to do it and then once you're on that link fill out the details and you will be contacted if you
1: win.